Welcome to Quilting Business Success, the podcast where we interview quilters just like you who have turned their passion for quilting into a profitable long-arm quilting business. I'm your host, Andrew Weaver, and in each episode, we'll bring you stories of quilters who have the same doubts and fears that every quilter has when they think about pursuing their quilting dreams. But these quilters moved forward anyway, despite their fears, and today, you'll hear their stories. All right, so I just clicked the button to start up tonight's uh, webinar, and uh, it'll take a little while for uh, people to kind of come in and join, and um, they are invisible to us. <laughs> we cannot <laughs> see them or hear them, um, but at the bottom of the screen, there is a little, um, I think what it says for the attendees is... Uh, it's called either Q&A or chat. I'm not sure which, but uh, as we go throughout this. Um, I have both. We, oh, yeah. See, I have both too, but okay. I think they only come in on one. And so anyway, as they uh, come in, I'll see a little number on there and we'll we'll read them, read them out and see what people have to ask you. Um, so tonight I'm pretty excited. We, uh, oh, well, I guess I'll say who I am. I'm Andrew. Uh, this is Bobby. <laughs> I'm Bobby in tech support. Yep. And it's our pleasure to be here tonight with um, Paula Ross, um, who is going to wave so people can see who you are. And then, uh, and then Carol Rashko. And um, we are going to go ahead and uh, get started here in just a second while we wait for a couple more people to come in. I will mention that um, these are recorded. And if you enjoy this episode, you may want to listen to all the other ones. Um, we have almost all of them on YouTube, except a couple where we lost the video. And we have almost all of them <laughs> on um, on the podcasting platform. And so you can go on to a special page on gamble.com, but most people will use either Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Spotify, but also YouTube, um, you know, it's like a playlist on YouTube. And here's the thing. It's a very niche audience. I mean, how many people out there at any one time have this dream of being a long-arm quilter? But if you are listening to this and you have a friend or an acquaintance or somebody that you think should hear it, or even if you're on one of those um, Gamel Facebook groups and you think people are missing out by not knowing about this, go ahead and spread the word because um, we really do believe that the that we learn best when we learn from each other and that it can really help people to build a life that they're happy with and uh, and do something that they're proud of with their life. So I'm going to jump right in. How do you like that monologue, Bobby? That was, yeah. <laughs> you're doing, you're cutting down. You're doing better. <laughs> I'm going to, uh, I just flipped a coin and I'm going to go ahead and start with Paula. Um, and we'll spend roughly half an hour with our questions and then we'll uh, pivot over to Carol's story. And then um, feel free to jump in if you have comments as we go. So first off, Paula, um, where is home for you? Where do you live? I am in Southwest Idaho, just outside of Boise in a little place called Nampa. Oh. And lived here for almost 20 years, raised our kids here. Fantastic. Yeah. I almost drowned in the Nampa River there. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> well, people like to go down, they like to raft it, you know? Uh-huh. And uh yep. it's beautiful, beautiful there. It is beautiful. Yeah, there's usually yeah. an accident on the river every year. <laughs> it's better if you stay in your raft for sure. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And I, I have a little bit of experience with those rivers up there also. Yeah. But uh yeah, they're beautiful. So, so Paula, um how how long have you been um long arming and how how did you start this journey? So I've been long arming for about six or seven years. I can't exactly remember. My mom is the one that bought one first. Um, because we wanted to make bigger quilts than we could manage on a domestic machine. And so her and my dad invested in one and I fell in love with it. And so I've been doing, you know, long arming 
on various machines for about that long. And then I've had my gamble for three years. So when, when she uh, got the machine and of course uh, you must've lived nearby enough that you could come mm -hmm. over and play. Is that right? Yep, They live just up the street about five minutes. So I was over there a lot. And once I got to the point where I wanted to do my own business, I knew I couldn't do that at somebody else's house. So a gamble came to live at my house. Right. So you got your machine specifically for the purpose of running a quilting business? Yes. Okay. And to be able to do my own quilts. But yeah, knowing that I could open it. I mean, I opened, you know, got a business name and licensed and all that right, right off the bat. Mm -hmm. And how did you uh, come about to uh, get getting the gamble and what, what led to that? Well, just because there's obviously other brands. So. Right. There, there is a dealer of another brand out here um, that I have a little bit of affiliated with at her shop. And so I was looking at that and my mom said, well, look and see what else is out there. So I did a little bit of Googling and I found Doug and Heather out in Emmett when they were still over here in Emmett. And mm -hmm. they happened to have several gently used machines available. And I went to test drive right at the beginning, beginning of the pandemic and there was no question after that. I, I knew that Gamel had the reputation that they did. We have a family friend that's run a Gamel for 20 years. Um, you know, when I think I did a little bit of Googling and Gamel seems to be one of the very first that came out with long arms that people could have in their home. Um, and so I knew they had the reputation and the, the reliability. Um, I love the frame. It's a nice, big, robust frame. And so I knew I couldn't turn it down, mm -hmm. even though the, I, I did have the option for a good deal on this other brand, but mm -hmm. comparing that to a Gamel is mm -hmm. kind of tough. <laughs> <laughs> um, so which model of machine did you start with? Was it a computerized machine from the beginning? No, I don't have a computer. I'm a mm -hmm. hand guided. It's a, I have an 18 inch. Okay. It was it was a classroom machine at Doug and Heather's, and it wasn't even a year old. Mm -hmm. And so, since I'm short, the arm reach is just perfect for me. Mm. And so, you seem tall on the computer. I've got my <laughs> husband's chair raised up as high as it'll go. <laughs> <laughs> so, you may be one of the first ones we've had on the podcast that has only a hand guide. Is that right? Or I can think of one other in particular and i think a second one as well so it is the number that we we don't keep track you know when we're getting people um signed up to be interviewed on the on the webinar mm -hmm. uh we often don't even ask but um it ends up being roughly proportional to um what our sales is which is about 90 percent of what we sell is the statler machines and then about 10 percent is hand guided or hand guided with an elevate so yeah. it works out about proportional, strangely enough. Law of yeah, I was numbers. thinking I've, I've been listening to all the past episodes and in my head, I was thinking they need to have someone who's a hand guided. And then a couple of days later, there's West Plains on my caller ID and they were calling to send me an invitation <laughs> to do it. Perfect. <laughs> awesome. So your machine then is a vision two. Is that right? Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, since you only got it recently, I'm guessing you still have the same one today and you haven't had to do any trading up or upgrading or anything yet on your machine. Nope. I have not. Okay. So big question. How okay. did you know there was enough long arm quilting business in your area to support another long arm quilter? We have a very quilt heavy population here. We've got four quilt shops within about 15 or 20 minutes from my house, two right here in town and two just a little bit outside of it. And whenever I talk to people, they said, yes, there's a market for it. Yes, there are quilters for it. Um, we have a very large guild and another small, there's our Boise guild. And then we have a chapter of the modern guild and they just keep growing. Um, so yeah, I was definitely encouraged by other people to say there's there's quilters enough to go around for everybody. So when you uh, as you have started and continued on this, uh, what what has been your method of how how have you uh, grown your customer base and 
tell us a little bit about that part of the journey. Um, the best thing I did was I was a vendor at our recent quilt show for the big Boise Guild. Um, I It happened through other things and somebody just said, hey, would you want to do this? And I said, yes. And that's brought in the biggest influx. Before that, I had cards made and I'd hand them out. Um, I do have a Facebook page and an Instagram and that, you know, creates a little bit of following, but by and large, the show has caused the biggest influx of customers. Mm -hmm. So was it, uh, the show just kind of generates uh, word of mouth, would you say? Yeah, I handed out a lot of cards. A lot of people were really excited that I'm in the city that I am in because there's a lot of people here. They don't want to drive to Boise. Um, so the fact that I was here surprised a lot of people. They were very excited about that. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, that was a, a really great opportunity that that I kind of happened into on accident because I wasn't looking for that. It it kind of came through a few other channels. So at a little show like that, that's it's almost like a networking opportunity because you're there for what two or three days. It was and, two days, yeah. Yeah, two days, and very a whole much bunch like a of quilters event. come through there. They're yep. all everybody's making tops, right? Exactly. Yeah. Do you yeah. do you remember what it might have cost you for that booth? Was it just a couple hundred dollars? Yeah, I think it was two fifty. Mm -hmm. And that might have been with because I needed electrical. My son did a, a video, so I had a, a looping video playing that showed kind of a portfolio of what I could do. Um, mm -hmm. So that it was just little ten by ten. I had some great quilts hanging up that really drew people in because they were very unique stuff mm -hmm. that they didn't normally see. So that that was mm -hmm. a good opportunity to get people to stop in the booth. Great. I wanted to dig into that a little bit more because um, we hear a lot of the same um, answers to that question, which is, well, word of mouth and, you know, quilt guilds and doing shop samples and stuff. But I couldn't recall somebody else having mentioned um, having a little booth at a quilt show. And I think it was good to get a little more information on that. I think that'll help people. Yeah, it was a good opportunity. So um, how did you come up with the funds to buy your machine? Uh, we did a home equity line, um, you know, looked at the finances. We've got a, a great bank that's been really good to us. And when I first told them what it was for, they kind of looked at me like, a what? <laughs> so I had to do a little explaining. <laughs> yeah. um, but luckily, we, we know we've been in our home about 15 years. So we had some good equity in it. And that's how I did it. Mm hmm and so do you currently have a, another job that you do also, or is this what you do? This is mostly what I do. Um, I have a small affiliation with a local shop. I do some of their quilts. Um, so that's helped fill in the gaps as I'm growing my own clientele. But uh, for the most part, as a stay-at-home mom, um, gives me the opportunity to do that here. That's something that a lot of people find as a big perk of this particular job is that it lets them be there when the kids come home from school or it lets them be there at those different events that will yeah. come up, you know, and to, to actually spend a lot more time with their kids. Um, so about how, if you had to guess how many hours a week you spend um, quilting every week, I know it probably varies. It does vary. Um, probably 20 to 30 on a busy week. And some weeks, if my college kids are home and we're doing other things, sometimes it's not quite as many. Um, pretty flexible. But then there's some weeks where I'm every day getting stuff done. And so the hours are a little higher. Mm -hmm. And since you have the the vision, you, you, you pretty much do uh, custom quilting only. I do some pantographs. Um, I do a lot of custom because not a lot of other people around here do that. Um, the shops in the area, three of the four only do edge to edge. And so the, the other shop is the one I have a little bit of affiliation with. And so I've been kind of building the custom clientele there because they, they come in and they request me because I've done one before. They saw their friends and they want theirs done like that one. Um, I love to do the custom work and, and here there seems to be a nice market for it. And at that shop that you're affiliated with, are, are you the, the custom quilting pretty much or? 
there's another one that does some custom as well, but I probably do the bulk of it because they're quite busy. <laughs> um, so yeah, I do, I do a lot of the custom and it's, it's my favorite. So. Mm -hmm. So, um, how have you structured your rates? How, how do you, um, what would you say is your per square inch rate or is it uh, quoted custom on each one? What's kind of a, an idea of what you're charging? I do per square inch, um, edge to edge starts at, uh, two and a half cents a square inch. And then custom usually starts at five and goes up from there. Um, we've got, uh, that local shop, they've got someone that teaches ice dyeing. And so there are a few customers that have the big ice dyed and then that's a that's a whole different price structure because that involves you know 100% design work as well and that takes a lot of time but they've been really fun mm -hmm. so if you uh, what would you say the average uh, price would be for a queen size uh, quilt for you for for a hand guided panto probably 150 and then a queen size for custom would probably start around 3 depending on how big they want their queen. Sometimes people want queens that go to the floor. And so those take a little more. And we don't have a whole lot of hand-guided quilters that we get to interview. So let me ask you another question that we wouldn't normally ask. But um, for a queen size panto that's going to be $150, how long would you say that that quilt is going to be on your frame start to finish? I start in the morning, I can usually get done in the afternoon because I have a tendency to get a little obsessed and, and want to, you know, one more row or I only have two more rows left and I like to finish. Um, if it's a really involved, complicated design, sometimes I'll leave it overnight and finish it the next day just to give my feet a rest. <laughs> mm -hmm. The OCD kicks in. Yes. <laughs> I and want if, them done. And if you were custom quilting that, is it a two-day job more or less? Um, closer to a week with a custom, depending on how densely they want it done. I've had, I had an ice dye one on my frame for about four weeks mm. because I had college kids down and back in between that, that I kind of had to let it sit for a few days. And then there was a lot of design work in it, but for the most part, I can get a custom one off in at least a week. Mm-hmm. So as a, as a hand-guided quilter, um, uh, a, about how many quilts would you say that you generally produce in a year? And I counted, because um, I know you asked that one, I think I'm close to 100 for this year, which seems mm -hmm. kind of low to compared to a lot of other people's numbers. Not with the amount of customs running. that you're doing, though. Yeah. Yeah. So I've, I'm close to that. And I do I do some donation quilts in there as well, and those are in the counts. Um, so about there's that. a big difference between the, you know, edge to edge and, and, and yeah. what you're doing. So yeah, that's, that's not a bad number at all. Um, what, what would you, do you know, uh, like your, your low, your number for the low count per year versus, uh, the most that you've done or. I don't because I haven't really been keeping track of number numbers except for the past oh, maybe two years. I keep a little notebook and I keep track of the client, how big their quilt was, how they had it quilted so that I can hopefully match those up with the pictures because I always take pictures of every quilt I do. And I'm trying to organize kind of a digital portfolio to help, you know, mm -hmm. if I can see a client and kind of what their past work has been and what they like. So I'm trying to build that. So somebody gave me the suggestion of keeping track of every single quilt. And for a while I was keeping track of stitch count because people get a real kick out of hearing they have 500,000 stitches in a quilt. <laughs> mm -hmm. Good thing <laughs> you I don't, don't do charge per stitch, right? <laughs> that would be, if somebody asked me that, do you charge per stitch? I thought, mm, not really. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a, uh, some, we have a question in, uh, Deborah's wanting to know, uh, did you, did you have a, a large slash long learning curve for doing custom quilting? Um, I guess it would depend on what they consider a large learning curve. I'm one of those people that has a tendency to jump in and learn everything I can very quickly because I want to get up to those skills that I see other people do. And so I was 
I was really diving in a lot. I was at my mom's house a lot playing on her machine. And when I got mine, it took off even more because I had more time. I could, I could go, you know, stand at the machine at any time and I didn't have to pack up and go to her house. And, um, and that kind of, uh, uh, dovetails into something that I, I usually try to ask people about the importance of, uh, uh, knowledge, education about how to do the quilting, because, you know, the, a lot of the people watching this are either starting a business or thinking about starting how important uh would you say the learning of your craft is very important um i tell beginners you know watch as many quilters as you can read as much as you can um take classes if you're a class person um and practice 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 it's you really have to immerse yourself in it it's something i do every day i've always I watch somebody quilt every day. I watch either their YouTube shorts or or watching their longer videos. Um, I like to watch how other quilters build the design, how they get out of a tight spot. And that's really helped because it starts, I feel like the hand muscle memory is one thing, but the brain muscle memory is another and you need that as well. So I watch a lot of quilters do their quilting. Mm-hmm. What was the hardest part for you for growing your business? Probably getting clients in the very beginning. It was very slow because I didn't know how to how to do that, how to promote myself. And and um, so that that started out fairly, fairly slow. Um, I know a lot of quilters, most people, you don't usually hear them say I advertised or I took out ads or I did you know, print work. And most people say it's word of mouth. And um, so I had to put myself in places where I was around other quilters to start the word of mouth. And that that helped. Mm-hmm. So that was probably the toughest. Mm-hmm. Makes a lot of sense. So who would you say was your biggest cheerleader in this process? Probably my husband and then my mom. Um, he's, he's always very supportive. He's a very creative person as well. So the whole creative process and the, the concept of having my own business, doing what I love, he was always on board. And, um, he even gave up part of our master bedroom. Cause that's where my long arm is. <laughs> I was gonna, I was going to ask, did, did he, did he merely support you all along the way, or did he even push you to do it? I'm just curious. Cause many times I find that that ladies are, they have a dream and they're kind of reluctant to take the step. I'm just curious. Um, I don't think I needed much pushing into buying one. He definitely was helping push me as I was getting prepared for the show and getting nervous. And he was supporting me and reminding me that, yes, you can do this. And, and since he's a graphic designer, so he did my cards, he did my banner, um, he did some other things that really helped in that. So he was very supportive with that. So he definitely pushed me in that part of it, but I don't, I don't think I needed any help in making the decision to buy one. <laughs> You've already got the OCD working for you. Yes. <laughs> and what sort of things has your, has your mom, um, you said that she was supportive too. What sort very of things much. did she say? Um, she, we, we joke, um, we were going into another quilt shop in town and a friend of hers was coming out and she had a little quilt in her arms and my mom could tell that she was, she was kind of not depressed, but she could tell that she was just, you know, bothered about something. And she stopped her and asked her, you know, what's going on? She said, well, I have this quilt and they can't get it done in time. And she said, well, my daughter does this. So she got me a quilting job in the parking lot of another quilting shop. (laughs) So she'll tell anybody and everybody that this is what I do. And she's, fabulous about spreading the word because she has other quilting friends that I don't and you know a person from another person from another person ends up calling me and says I got your name from you know three different levels of people before it went back to my mom so I she's actually definitely might a have, good PR I actually might have teared up just a little bit there because <laughs> uh there's there's no better way to know that she's super proud of you and the work that you do that she's grabbing you customers right and left Yes. She's amazing. She's the one that taught me how to sew. We started our quilting journey together when I was a teenager. So she's been right along with it. It's been really awesome. Tell us about how the 
the control of your own personal schedule as well as the income that you've earned uh, as you're doing this um, career. How, what kind of impact has that had on your life? You mentioned being able to be there uh, for your kids more. Yeah, um, when I first started, um, one kid was out of the house. Um, and so I had, you know, three left. I had my oldest who was still doing college here. And then I had one in high school um, right at the pandemic. And he had a lot of stuff ripped out from under him as, as his senior year. And so the fact that I could be here for that for him um, and then help my youngest who is in middle school navigate finishing that year on online and I could be here for all of that. Um, and as the kids have gotten older, stuff is chaotic in a different way than it was when they were younger. And the fact that I can control when I'm here and, you know, taking somebody to college or picking somebody up from something else out of state, it's really, it's amazing. And I can be here when my husband is here and we don't have schedules that, that clash so that we never see each other. We did that once very early on and it was really difficult. So the fact that we can both be here and, and have total control over that is amazing. That that is that's very inspiring. That that aspect that you just talked about. Um, I want to ask you, uh, what is something that you wish, looking back on on your path with the long arm quilting, what is something that you wish that somebody would have told you when you first uh, started out with this? You know, I thought about this question because I know you asked that, um, and I think I wish somebody would have told me to do it earlier. Mm. if you know my mom bought one and I, I think finances weren't where they could have been at that time but I don't think we also knew that I could have financed it with the home equity so I wish I had done it you know 10 years ago um but uh but yeah well, I read somewhere that you had started out quilting as a teen mm -hmm. and uh I I I think there's a lot of younger people out there that, you know, may be able to take as an example uh, from you. Do you think, uh, like, if somebody was uh, a little bit younger, would you uh, recommend them starting out earlier rather Absolutely. than later? Yes. I think of all the quilts I could have done in years past because I was so limited. It was really difficult to wrangle a quilt through my domestic machine and it made the process less enjoyable and I wanted to enjoy it more. And there were big quilts I wanted to make and quilt. And I couldn't do that. I didn't have the, the domestic machine skills to do that. And so it would have been, I would definitely encourage it if they're thinking about it or looking at it, there's definitely a way to get a long arm into your life. Mm -hmm. And I would definitely encourage people to, to give it a try and see what they can do and see I, how they can I, get one at the door. I appreciate what you're saying so much. I, I yeah. see a lot of um, a lot of moms, and a lot of them don't get into the career field as early as they could have, and they go through a lot of struggles trying to balance their job and taking care of the kids and the house and all that stuff. And it's it's an impossible task anyway, from my point of view. But yeah. <laughs> but I I look and see how a lot of times they they struggle for, you know, 10 years or more as the kids are growing up before they finally find this career path. Um, yeah. And for a long time, um, you know, I, I've tried to mostly be a stay at home mom. That was important for my husband and I, that I was there to raise our kids. Um, and so if I had it earlier, it, I sometimes wonder if it would have added too much chaos at the time when they were all, you know, at home and in school, but it seemed to be working out at just the right timing for me to bring that in and start the business as they are all turning into adults and starting to craft their own lives. And, and, uh, they've all been very supportive. When I first told, you know, my oldest, my oldest two, when I was buying a machine, they're like, really, that is so cool. So they've all been supportive as well. That's awesome. So if, uh, if somebody's listening today and, uh, they want to do what you've done, uh, you believe it's possible for anyone to do just like you Absolutely. did? Absolutely. Yes. There is a way, there's not any one way to get a long arm into your house. There's a, there's a lot of creative ways to make it happen. And definitely if they're thinking about it, talk to somebody that can help make it happen. 
Well, cool. Um, don't go away. That's the okay. end of the questions that I have for you, <laughs> but don't just uh, go away. Um, we're going right. to, we're going to transition here to uh, Carol and ask her some of the same questions. And um, uh, this is, this is a, a kind of a treat for me because I've been in Carol's uh, studio a few times, including to deliver your first machine. So um, I didn't know you were going to be on the program until about an hour ago. And uh, I thought, oh, well, that's cool. So um, some of these questions, I know the answer to. So let me ask, let Bobby take. take <laughs> All right, Carol. Well, why don't you start out by telling us where where's home for you, where you're located? Um, I'm in Seeler, Washington. Um, it's uh, central Washington, just south of where Andrew came from, of Wenatchee um and uh farming and all kinds of uh agriculture it's like palm springs basically but without the it is the palm springs of washington <laughs> <laughs> they have a big sign that says yeah. that but without the palms and without the spring <laughs> yes <laughs> uh, you yes. in fact i was actually i raised i was raised here and when i got married i moved away for 10 years and we came back in 2000 Oh yeah, that's I've heard that story from so many people in a town. They move away and they they come back, you know. So yep. But yep. yeah, that's where you're grounded at. So how yep. long have you been in this uh, world of uh, long arming? Not long enough. Um, Ten years. <laughs> um, I kind of back um, in 2000. I wanted to. I saw my first gamble at a quilt show. And I knew that's what I wanted. And it took me 14 years to convince the husband <laughs> or 13. <laughs> so you saw the machine, you, you saw some long arm machines and, and there was a uh, like 13 or 14 years until you actually was able to get it. Yep. Raising kids and stuff. Day job. That stuff like life and kids, that pesky stuff gets in the way, doesn't it? <laughs> A little bit. <laughs> so when when you finally got your your long arm, did you get it specifically to to do a business, or was it just for for personal? Yes. Um, in fact, my sister and I we talked about it for years and years to get into business, um, a long arm and quilt shop business together. Um, and so we finally. Um, she finally pulled the trigger in 2013 to open up her quilt store, the Quilters Cafe in Yakima. And um, she said, you need to get a long arm so that we are a one-stop shop. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, and fortunate enough, my husband was on board at that time. He um, took me down to San Diego in 2012-ish. And we went to a quilt, um, uh, quilt retreat, not retreat, quilt show. And there was a gal showing um, long arm there, Gamel, and showing it all how it's computerized and going through all the money she was making. And he just, we stood there probably for an hour and, and he was just talking to her and I'm like, see, I can make money. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so we kind of then decided to do that in 2013. Mm -hmm. So, um, you saw the gamble machine there. Uh, did you go through and consider a bunch of other brands and then finally decide on the gamble? And if so, what was it that kind of tipped your balance towards getting the gamble machine? Well, you know, I've, I, you know, going to quilt, um, quilt shows and stuff, you look at these other machines and I just, I just, they didn't, they didn't do anything for me. They just seemed um, not industrial enough. And like they wouldn't maybe hold up as well. And so um, I just, and it finding the computerized one with Gamel and knowing, I think they were, wasn't it the first one to have the Statler on it mm -hmm. um, to be computerized? I'm like, well, they've already been there, done that. Why reinvent it? So um, when you start, when you started, did you, do you, I mean, do you still have the same one that you started with or have you upgraded or? I do have the same one, Pearl. I named her Pearl and I upgraded to the Ascend, which I believe, Andrew, you put that on. I was there to do that. Yep. And that was in 20, just a couple years ago or a year and a half ago. 
to the Ascend. And then I bought my second one in 2019. Um, and it was used from a gal down in um, Oregon. So, and it's also a Statler, but it's only a 12 foot table. So um, that way I have a little bit more room in my studio. <laughs> so why did you uh, decide to add the second machine? Is it because you were spending too much time uh, working? Um, the husband complained about not seeing me enough. And because well, I would that's work. Nice. That's nice. Really, that's a good complaint. Yeah. <laughs> well, I would work, you know, my 40 hours a week or eight hours a day. And then I'd come home at night and make dinner and go out to my studio for a few hours. And I'd be out there on the weekends or on vacation days or holidays. And I just told him, I finally convinced him. I was like, I think we need to get a second machine because this is going to be my next career. Um, and I will be a lot more efficient. And my big, big sales thing was I'll have more time to spend with you. So <laughs> that was the big sales point. Yes. <laughs> so, so are you now, um, uh, exclusively doing, uh, quilting? Are you not working elsewhere now? Nope. I retired from, um, my day job in 2020. And so for the last three years, I've been doing just this. Um, and it's been great. I just, I don't have to, I just throw on clothes and go out into my studio and work when I want to. So when you first started, um, uh, how did you know there was enough uh, long arm business in your area or did you? Um, I don't know if I really knew or not. Um, I knew of several long armors in the area that were getting elderly and probably going to be retiring. Um, but it was mostly, um, you know, my sister and I wanting to do this, this, you know, adventure together, not realizing, you know, this is a lot of work. Um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, and you were telling us at the beginning that both you and your sister have a, a shop. Well, yeah, she has the shop and I'm her long armor. Gotcha. So, gotcha. yeah, she's, they, people come in, do you do long arming? She's like, well, I have a long arm armist. It's my sister, Carol. Here's her <laughs> card. And she has a whole spiel that she does. Um, she's over there laughing now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so obviously she is your, your main, um, your main source of quilts coming through the door. Do you have any other, uh, methods of, of finding quilts or is that one um right now and in the beginning that was it but right now i do advertise um i have an advertising in the local guild um website um and then my mom also in the beginning she's involved with several quilt guilds um and would say that i do long arming but mostly it's pretty much i'm gonna say 98 percent was my sister mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and now actually there's a lot of word of mouth because people went to so-and-so, they closed down their shop. And then this gal at my quilt guild, you did one of hers, so I brought mine up to you, so. Mm -hmm. You go ahead. All right, well, this is, a, this is a question that I might have known the answer to 10 years ago because you did buy your first machine from me, but yeah. um, how did you come up with the money for it? Yeah, I might have told you. Um, funny story, because I actually bought a new car in 2013. And I think I reached out to you and Michelle to get a quote on a new Gamel in 2013. And I um, looked into the financing of it, and it was quite a high uh, interest rate. And we're like, oh, well, sadly, my husband's aunt passed. Um, but we got a little bit of money there that was able to our inheritance mm -hmm. and that paid for the machine and mm -hmm. I financed the car. <laughs> mm -hmm. Have you heard that story before? I, I was not sure how the car worked into it, but basically <laughs> if you hadn't have got the gamble, you probably would have used your aunt's money for the car, but instead, right. right. Okay. Yep. How, how do you think she would have thought? Uh, I mean, of course, she's gone now. And uh, do you think she would approve of how you use the money and what you've done? I think so. 
Yeah. She wasn't a crafty person. She was my husband's aunt. Mm -hmm. So, um, but uh, yeah, she would have been fine with it. Mm -hmm. You could have used it on a trip. It'd be gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, how many, uh, how many hours a week are you, do you put into quilting? So I'm just going to guesstimate. I do 20 to 40 hours a week. Um, it just depends. Sometimes I'm out there like three or four days in a row and I just get a little bit like I need to get out a little, I think stir crazy because my husband's working. I'm the only one at home and I need to go out and like talk to people. Um, at least these last three years it has been. Um, but I also then will take that time. I come, my, come to my sister's shop to meet clients. So I have um, a station here that I pick up and I meet clients. I pick up their quilts and deliver their quilts from here. So I make appointments and, and get out that way. And how do, how do you, what, what's your feeling in general about your, your work schedule? Is it, is it some, something you're happy with? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's great. I mean, if, if I want to go and not go out to work at eight o'clock in the morning, which I typically start at 11, um, but I'll work and, you know, until like eight or nine o'clock at night. Paula's smiling. So. I bet she goes earlier than that. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm definitely a night owl. Well, and you know, for how many years, 30, over 30 years, I had to wake up at six o'clock, six 30 and go to an eight o'clock work and, or even earlier. And I was like, I don't want to have to do that. <laughs> So I'll work in the evenings and I listen to the news and stupid shows. So I don't really watch TV. I just listen to it. Mm -hmm. So um, are you mostly then just doing edge to edge or do you do some custom in there? Mostly edge to edge. Um, I do do some custom and um, some people, I, I'm surprised if some people don't realize what custom is. Some of my clients, what is that? But um, I um, have a lot of digital patterns and some of them I do have for specific quilts. So if I see one, I'm like, oh, that needs to be custom. I have, I, I don't think that should be edge to edge. So, um, but other times I will talk them into an edge to edge when I, you know, how much are you wanting to spend? How long do you want it to take? It'll take longer, that sort of thing. And there are obviously some quilts that because of the fabrics involved in the quilt you could spend a lot of time custom quilting it and it would never be seen you know right it would kind of uh, yes. disappear into the quilt yes so, yeah you hate to have part of your life disappear on that quilt and it <laughs> won't matter yeah right so uh uh do you um what do you charge as far as your, uh, your per square inch rate? Um, do you, um, do you charge a minimum or loading fee or per bobbin charges or? Yeah, I do have a minimum charge. Um, and right now it's $40 minimum and, um, but it'll, it'll change next year. I charge a penny and a half a square inch. Uh, this year I've increased that because it's been my busiest year. Um, so I have some, some patterns that are that much because they're just a fast. sew, um, and they don't take that long at all. Then I, the ones that I haven't marked are 1.8 cents per square inch. And then I have some that are a lot more dense, you know, might take two, three bobbins to quilt the row, depending on the size of the quilt, but a bigger quilt. And those I'll, I'll charge two or more cents per square inch mm -hmm. and custom. I think I started, it, it depends on the custom, but in general, five cents a square inch. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How much would you say an average uh, queen size quilt is? For an edge to edge, probably around 150 to $200, depending on the pattern is picked. Have you kept, kept track of the financing enough or the finances enough to be able to give us an idea what you've earned in your best year and what your worst year was like? Yeah. Um, my worst year was definitely my first year. It took me a long time to get going. Um, so I think I quilted less than 30 quilts for clients. 
I was mm -hmm. a little nervous starting. Um, so, and then the next year I, I was excited because I doubled it. I was like, wow, I made, I did 50. <laughs> <laughs> and definitely 2022 um, was my best year. Let's see here. I made, um, I think I quilted in 2022, um, 321 quilts. Mm -hmm. And um, so this year I'm, I'm on record to do way more than that. Um, as of the end of or middle of September um, this year, I've done 307 quilts compared to 204 last year. Mm, you're busy at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would. I was surprisingly busy all summer long. Um, people were surprised. I'm like, you know, I'd pick up eight to fifteen quilts a week, and I'd deliver, you know, eight to twelve a week. And I was really surprised at how. Do you know busy what? Do you know what do you attribute the uh, increase in uh, volume to? I think a big part of it is because there um, have been several long armors that have um, retired or closed up shop here and moved on, moved away. Mm -hmm. I think there's probably about at least five in the last few years, maybe up to seven that have either retired or moved away. This is one thing that maybe sometimes people don't understand when they are getting into the business. Um, I'm more familiar with it just because I, I've been in involved in it for a long time. And, and I've also bought back people's machines when they were retiring. It, it is kind of a career that has a, a time span. I mean, it's, I guess it's like, if you go into the military, you might do 20 years, or if you, if you uh, go and be a teacher, you might do 30 years and that's your full retirement. But for um, long arm quilting, it seems as though a lot of times people will, will uh you know get into it when they're in their 40s or 50s and they'll mm -hmm. go they'll go and they'll build a business that's strong and thriving and all that stuff and then there comes a point where they're you know 20 years down the road and they start going to where they're just cherry picking just their favorite customers to mm -hmm. do work for because you know their uh their earning needs aren't what they used to be so right right yep so there, there does tend to be a little bit of a, a revolving door, so to speak. There's new, there's new ladies coming in at the, at the young end. And then there's the older ones that are kind of retiring out at the top end. So, mm -hmm. yeah. um, so uh, do you, uh, do you provide or, or sell supplies like wide back fabrics? Um, what do you have for battings that are available for people? Um, I do, I do have a couple of wide backs available. However, um, mostly what I provide is, um, and I sell it by the yard is batting and, um, and I have warm and natural, warm and white hobs, um, wool. I did carry a bamboo, but nobody really wanted that. So I'm going to use that for my own quilts. Um, I have hundred percent polyester. Um, and then I did a black for a while, but it never really sold. So I just stopped carrying that. Mm -hmm. But my sister also has um, uh, some dream batting that she has available. So we kind of covered a lot of different battings mm -hmm. um, and then get the backing from her as well. Mm -hmm. So, And I do provide um, binding service mm -hmm. as well. Okay. Have you pieced any uh, backings or t-shirt quilts for people or any of that? Yeah, I have. Um, and I just kind of throw a number out there. If it's a smaller quilt and I just fold the batting in half and put one seam in it, you know, it's five bucks or $7, but, and I have done several t-shirt quilts over the years. Mm -hmm. Um, and that I do on, I price that by shirt, depending on what kind of pattern they want. We had somebody who, uh, who asked us a question in the Q and A which is whether you're doing both types of quilting on both machines, custom and edge to edge. I think kind of what's behind that question is sometimes people will kind of designate one of their machines as the one they do custom on. Um, I do both on both, but it just depends because um, I still work in CS6 on my um, older machine or on my shorter, smaller machine. 
and I've upgraded to CS7 on the other one. So now that it's easier to search for patterns on in the CS7, I do more of my cold, uh, custom on my bigger machine, my older machine. So okay. it just depends. Bobby and I both had a little question mark pop up in our heads. We'll talk to you later about why in the world you don't have the same software <laughs> on both since the upgrades <laughs> are free. But but I don't want to go off topic here. We'll talk about it later. So yeah. what, was, what was the hardest part of growing your business? Um, I think probably in the beginning was just the learning curve. And I talked to you about this, Andrew, knowing computers and, you know, working a desk job, you know how to do things. And, um, and then I'm like, can't you copy and paste? Can't you drop, drop, you know, click and drag and drop. And so now in CS7, you can do that. But I'm like, why can't you copy and paste? Because, you know, it would be so much easier. Right. But, and now we can. Um, <laughs> but, um, uh, what was the question? The hardest part of growing your business. <laughs> okay. I, and then overall, probably time, just having the time to put into it. I remember that you did not retire from your nine to five for a really long time. You were doing both. Yep. For seven years. Mm -hmm. Yep. Wow. Yep. I, you know, that's why I was working, you know, that's why I got the two machines. Then I could be more efficient with doing work in both. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, in 20, 2020 was a good year that we both, actually my husband retired as well. And so. That was traveling. a year of transition for many people. Yes. Yes. So uh, who's been your biggest cheerleader? Who's been behind you all the way? Um, definitely my sister. Um she's, you know, I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. She goes, yes, you can. Yes, you can. And I'm like, she goes, just, it'll quilt out. And I'm like, Randy or Linda, stop telling people that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, definitely my sister, Linda, <laughs> biggest cheerleader. But my husband supports me. My kids do my mom and dad. Mm. So that's great. That's got to feel good. Yeah. So uh, what kind of uh, impact has uh, the the quilting money, the control of your personal schedule, what kind of impact has that had on your life? Um, I think the biggest impact would be my schedule. And, you know, if I want to not get up with an alarm clock and, and sleep in, I can do that. And um, do what you want work. when you want. Yep. Yep. Probably the, a general answer for mostly everybody but um you know if i feel like i need to i make deliveries usually i try to schedule deliveries the day before or pickups the day before um i go and um bring in a bunch of quilts to deliver and stuff so um and then sometimes it's like well i've got to go do this and the other thing that was a big impact was in 2020 um my sister and I started feeding our parents. My mom had an episode and stuff. So I just, you know, felt like it was just, it was a sign. I need to just do quilting and I prepare meals for my, my, my family and my, my parents and deliver that they live in this, you know, five minutes away. So that's been really nice to not have to worry about a day job. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What is something that you wish someone would have told you? when you first started? Um, I think I'm going to go with the answer that Paula said, do it earlier. I was like, that's a great answer because I, I mean, ultimately I told you I wanted to do it for what? Yeah. 10 years, years before. before. Yeah. But just didn't feel like, you know, with having the kids at home and the husband didn't realize you could make money. Um, do you think you could have done it earlier? I think so. I do. Because, you know, you had to come up with the money. Right. There was that. Mm -hmm. But what what's that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, sometimes we can do whatever we set our mind to doing, right? Mm -hmm. we, we did wait 13 years to get that machine. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And before that, we did a lot of sewing. We had family sewing days and stuff. And um, 
reached out to our cousins in Portland and Seattle and we'd get together and it was really fun. And I did try to sew on my, or quilt on my domestics and, you know, it's just, it, it wasn't fun at all. And, you know, like I said, when I saw that computerized camel, I'm like, well, that's it. That's what I need. I mean, even if I can, you know, record it and redo it, I'm like, well, <laughs> mm -hmm. so so uh so do you believe that if somebody else wanted to do what you've done that uh that it, it's doable for anybody yes um you know it's not for everybody you know i was wonder i was a little worried in the beginning if i would get bored because i have that tendency i have a tendency to do more than one thing at once um, but I'm like, I can, I can do a quilt over here and a quilt over there. And I think anybody could, you know, if they like doing sewing, that this would be really fun for them. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm, you know, keep in my back of my head, hoping that my daughter, my niece, or maybe my granddaughter would like to take it over from me because I would definitely help them. Have you had uh, some helpers there in your studio from time to time? I mean, them? No, no. no sadly, no. Mm. But my granddaughter is only two and a half, so I'll give her well, a few years. Yeah, give her some time. <laughs> we had another question uh, asking, uh, mm, do both ladies have more demand for larger than 10 foot frames, larger quilts? Okay. So I didn't ask the length of your tables. Oh. So uh, our standard length is 12 feet. What length do you have? I have a 14 and a 12. Mm -hmm. I have and a Paula, 12. You have a 12. 12. Mm -hmm. Yep. What are your thoughts and about table size? I mean, uh, have you turned away a quilt? I'm glad I, I'm glad I have a 14. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah. I, I just, there's somebody that I just talked to the other day. She goes, I can't, I, I have, my quilt is 120 inches. I'm like, I can quilt it. <laughs> well, you can do 126 inches on a 12 foot frame, but that doesn't give you a lot of margin. That's for sure. Right. Right. Yeah. I've, I've, uh, I've pushed mine to its limits a couple of times. Um, and I always take pictures for posterity to show people it can be done. Um, I actually have the, I don't have the home pro table. I have the, the big, um, you know, the big, big regular GS. table. Yeah. That was one of the deals that, that Heather and Doug were able to do for me is I wanted that, the big heavy duty table. So even though I have the little machine, I still have the ability to do that great big one. And so, and people always told me buy the biggest machine you can fit in your house. <laughs> <laughs> or by the, you know, the biggest table space that you can, that you can fit. And, you know, 12, 12 does, has done everything that I've needed it to so far. Yeah. And, and sadly, a lot of times uh, I do run into a lot of people who they, they get a 10 foot uh, table because they just can't fit anything else into their house. But, uh, and I think what you guys are saying kind of bears witness to my feelings that if you possibly can, you know, it's, it's really worth it to at least have the 12 foot, uh, table. Would you agree yeah. with that? Yes, very much. Yes. Um, definitely. And the biggest, longest throat space, because there's just so many, so many designs that are, that are now, um, nesting designs and, um, because, and, and you just don't have to roll as much. And if you end up having a design that's 15 inches and then you roll it and then your throat space is only 10 inches, it's, it's hard. You, you're limited on your quilting designs that you can do use when yeah. a, with uh, a smaller throat space. I would, I would also say on the, on the throat space angle, particularly with computer, although it can be an issue with hand guided quilting as well, is that um, your, you can find yourself forced to have to quilt the quilt more densely than you would prefer yes. if your throat space is smaller. And yep. the, the reason for that is that you're, you're working it out so that the, you know, the pattern has a certain height and a certain width yep. and you have to do X number of them across to get from one side to the other. 
and if your if your throat depth is not is not so much if it's a smaller machine you can find yourself wanting to space the pattern out a little bit more so that it's not as dense but mm -hmm. you can't right and yeah without without turning all of your circles into eggs you know <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> right right so that's something that a lot of times people don't know when they i mean they'll they'll buy a machine from a place that would sell snow to an eskimo and not really yeah. from, from somebody who is going to really give them good straight advice and then they find out that you know yeah this is the machine i could afford but it, it's not mm -hmm. even not even working for me so yeah and with all the computer now and so many there are so many designers that are doing um digitizing um quilt patterns and i can tell from 10 years ago to now how they're being a lot more efficient with how they design it and don't backtrack as much um but they're just getting fancier and fancier with all the designs mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so yeah the statler's the <laughs> you got to go with that right <laughs> Well, we do we do have about about ninety percent of people that uh, have the Statler machines, and about ten percent is hand guided. And uh, um, obviously, with a Statler, you can still hand guide it. Um, yes. But many times, people um, they will choose to learn how to hand guide with their Statler. But many other times, they have such quick and easy success with the Statler. Uh, that they never put in the effort to learn how to do hand-guided quilting. What I like to say is it's a little bit like the difference between buying a piano and having it delivered to the house and learning how to use it versus buying a jukebox and having it delivered to the house and learning how to use it. Because with the, with the jukebox, you just punch a couple buttons on the front of it and the music is already made. It's going to be beautiful and perfect every time. With the piano, though, there's probably going to be quite a bit of lessons required and bad music before you start getting the good music. Yep. And so either one will give you music in your house. It's just that the, the path is different. Yeah. I do do um, a little bit of hand guided. It just depends on, you know, the quilt. I mean, I did a denim quilt that they had really super thick um, corners and mm. I'm like, I can't sew over those. So I did a really simple hand guided and I, you know, I've quilted it with the belts on a lot um, and get straighter lines, mm -hmm. but. Um, and I, I would, I would just point out that with both the hand guided and computerized there, there's a learning curve and there's a lot to be learned on both of them. Mm -hmm. um, for the, the people that are watching, uh, you, if you go to gamble.com, you can access uh, a lot of the, the new owner training courses that we have available. And there's even a, a educator consult. You, you can buy an hour of time with a lot of our educators, which for a lot of people, that's a, a really, uh, really good blessing there. Mm -hmm. Yes. You have a lot of wonderful videos. I tell people, look on gamble.com and if you, if they have like a different long arm, I'm like, just look on Gamble because they have all these ideas, not just because. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us tonight and telling your stories. I, I really do hope that, um, that those who are listening both tonight as well as in the future can maybe see themselves a little bit in your story and maybe find the courage to, to take that leap of faith because it is scary to make a change. We're always apprehensive when we go to make a change, but if you know that you're, you're pursuing something that's worthwhile and that it's going to be a positive change for your life, you know, we can gather together our courage and, and make it happen. So mm -hmm. thank you so much for, for sharing your stories and inspiring other people. Do you have any last words you want to throw in anybody before we wrap it up? Oh, don't think so well i just want to say uh the two uh, paula ross carol rashko have been very inspirational and uh, we we so much appreciate you joining us and i know the people watching uh tonight have been enriched by you being here so thank you so much thank, thank you too all right thank you have a nice night
You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today on Quilting Business Success. We hope you've been inspired by these stories of quilters just like you who have turned their dreams into reality. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes. One of the best things you can do to support us is to write a glowing review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever platform you're using to listen to the show. Those reviews help bring us up in the algorithm so that more quilters are exposed to our show. What would you like to change in your life, and what steps can you take today to bring you closer to the life that you want?